This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. If you're new here, Welcome for the very first time to I'm a Survivor Podcast. I'm glad that you found I'm a Survivor Podcast and that you're interested in listening to what we have to say today. And I would like to just say this at the very top. If you're in any type of danger, please don't listen to this podcast. Um, if you're in abuse, do not listen. If you're in um, imminent danger, um, that's not why we do the podcast. So if you're in a safe place and you want to hear some really good uh, information and a very good story, then stay tuned. Also, a public service announcement um, I'd love to make is if someone is charging you to be on their podcast platform to tell your story about survival, please know that that's very unethical and it's not somewhere you need to be. Because this podcast will never charge a survivor uh, for any amount of money. An expert or anyone in this field will never be charged to be a guest on this podcast. Okay, so if you need some assistance, you're not in, you know, you're needing to talk to an advocate, you can dial the national hotline um, number, and that is, the, it's the National Domestic Violence Hotline number, that's 1-800-799-7233. If you cannot reach them on the other line, my best advice for you is to reach out to a crisis line in your own state. Your state should have crisis lines and hotline numbers that you can find, and if you cannot find those, there's also another good resource, and that is domesticshelters.org. They will, you can put your address in if you're looking for a shelter, if you're looking for an organization that deals with domestic violence and that can get you services and some assistance. That's my recommendation. So they're a wonderful group of people. I know them personally. Um, Today's guest, I'm very excited to have her. Her name is Chandler Mordecai. She is a um, she is a, a girlfriend of mine from Alabama. Let's just throw that out there. Um, she is Miss Hamilton 2023. She is also an upcoming contestant for Miss Alabama 2023. And she is also the founder of Victory Over Domestic Violence. Hey, Chandler. Hi, Misty. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to share um, with you and your followers today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, So super excited for you to talk about your story and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. And I'll just go ahead and start. So in 2014, I began partnering with the Marion County Domestic Violence Task Force. So as you said earlier, I am an Alabama gal. I'm so excited to be working with an Alabama gal. And I think anti-domestic violence advocacy is a growing field in the state of Alabama and something that I'm very passionate about. Um, But I began partnering with the Marion County Domestic Violence Task Force as a means to process my personal experience with domestic violence 
violence. So I am a personal survivor of domestic violence, and I really experience um, dark trials and dark times dealing with um, domestic violence. And I really wanted to find an outlet that I could come to terms with my history and with my situation, but also contribute to something bigger than myself. Um, and that is really where I fell in love with domestic violence advocacy and the Marion County Domestic Violence Task Force. I worked primarily with them for coordinating and participating in supply drives for their local shelters. And these are drives meant to stop shelters or survivors with paper products. And so that's really how I got my start working with domestic violence advocacy. And then I started Victory Over Domestic Violence. And this is um, a community service initiative that focuses on advocating for survivor-centered policies, educating the public, and empowering victims of abuse. And it's just been an incredible journey to be working with VODB for the past seven years and just to see the work that I've done in communities and with other survivors and school systems and legislators really grow in, into an incredible organization that is Victory Over Domestic Violence. So that's just a very brief history. Um, a little bit about my story, again, as a survivor of Victory of, uh, of survivor of domestic violence and being able to channel that into something bigger than myself um, in hopes that it might inspire others to also become involved in domestic violence advocacy. I love that. Uh, I love the platform, the the um, the whole thing, the community, the initiative that you're doing. You know, education is a major role. Uh, it plays a major role in what we do because a lot of times the public is not educated. They don't understand what domestic violence is. And, and you know, a lot of them have a different, you know, perspective. And, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, why don't she just leave, you know? Um, and we both know that that's not always easy. Um, and we don't know what that looks like for someone in that situation. Um, yeah. you know, we don't exactly. know. Right. We don't know her situation. So kudos to you for the community, um, the community outreach and awareness that you're doing with that and the education you're providing. I'm very excited to hear more about that. I don't know if I've I've dug deep into what you're doing there, but I, I mean, look, an initiative like that has my 100 percent backing uh, because, you know, I do a lot of educational things myself. I believe in training, educating, um, outreach. All of those things are important to me. Um, so I applaud you for that. And um, do you want to kind of like briefly kind of like go over some of the things that you that you dealt with, you know, as far as domestic violence yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of want to touch on a little bit about what you're talking about, about the different forms mm -hmm. of domestic violence. A lot of people don't know that domestic violence actually occurs in several different forms. Mm -hmm. I think so often we're inundated with the idea that domestic violence is just physical, that it's just physical abuse. But domestic violence actually you know, manifests in several different forms. And that was something that I experienced um, as someone going through domestic violence, the many different forms of DV. Um, something that I've witnessed as well. And so domestic violence really takes place in a wide range, um, such as emotional abuse, financial abuse, and physical abuse, just to name a few. Um, so one of the things that I focus with educating the public is focusing on the many different ranges of domestic violence and how someone may not even realize they're in a domestic violence relationship because it may not be physical. 
It may only be verbal. It may only be extreme jealousy. It may only be isolation, or it may be financial abuse. And all of these things are very important to take into consideration, especially um, when having conversations with other survivors of abuse. As you mentioned, a very common tagline that a lot of people say is, well, why doesn't this person leave already? And it's much more complicated than that. There's a lot of different scenarios and circumstances that come into play. And so something that I really emphasize, not only with myself, but also with VODV, is that the one thing that you can do, that every person can do, with domestic violence advocacy is simply giving support. It's simply saying, I believe you and I support you. Um, working with Victory Over Domestic Violence in the public, I've come in contact with individuals who may say, oh, I don't know anything about domestic violence advocacy. I don't know how I can be of any use for domestic violence advocacy. Well, the reality is, is that one in four women and one in 10 men will experience domestic violence and over 3 million children will witness it each year. So if someone met, so if someone has not personally experienced domestic violence um, or know someone who has experienced domestic violence, it will, it's likely that it will eventually happen. So we have to be ready to have those serious conversations. And it starts with giving support and belief to the survivor. Because there are tons of scenarios and situations um, that come into play. Fortunately, um, I was very lucky to have community support uh, and very lucky to have access to resources to be able to uh, escape my personal experience with domestic violence. Not everyone is so lucky to have that, mm. um, which is why Victory Over Domestic Violence really focuses on bridging that gap. And it starts with education and prevention. And it also starts with focusing on healing. Um, this is something that I have recently come into contact with the ODB is this emphasis on healing oneself and healing the community. I um, mean, it really comes from giving space and grace to yourself um, for acknowledging um, your history and your pain and your trauma and giving your giving yourself space to acknowledge that and heal from it. Um, and so part of that comes from creating a community, creating a safety net of people who will listen to you. And, and that really involves another aspect of victory over domestic violence, listening. Um, domestic violence advocacy doesn't always have to be um, something tangible or something that is quantifiable or even something that's actionable. It's as simple as listening to someone. Um, so that's something that I've really come across with in my work. I've been able to work um, across campuses, both elementary, middle and high school, as well as post-secondary college campuses. Um, I've been able to be on several podcasts um, and, and television television uh, series such as Talk of Alabama. I've been able to contact uh, and come in contact with over 3 million people by working with VODB across these nationally syndicated platforms. And the one message that I always communicate is listening and believing survivors. That's the one thing that every person can do to, as far as anti-domestic violence prevention and advocacy um, but yeah it's just been an incredible journey um, an incredible uh, moment uh, giving myself grace to learn also learning from other survivors uh, I often talk with other survivors listening to their personal narratives and it's always very um, cathartic for me I'm always able to learn something new about myself and I think that would be another form of advice that I would give be open to learning new things about yourself be open to forgiveness of yours for yourself um, and you don't have to feel shame 
and guilt for your experiences, um, but you can have healing from those. And um, you can surround yourself with community members and with friends and family who will listen to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I commend you. I commend you for opening up that. Just listen. Just listen. Believe. Believe the survivor. Believe someone when they tell you something and just listen. That That's a major, you know, thing. Um, and that comes first. If you just listen and support someone and open your mind up to what this person's saying, you know, and, you know, we were talking about the different forms of abuse, you know, religion, religious uh, abuse happens. And so, yeah. And so when we get involved in that, well, then you've opened up a whole different can of worms, right? Um, because this person is using um, the Savior, the Almighty, to abuse someone. And maybe this person in the community has respect from the elders or people who are in the upper, right? And, and then the people are like, well, he, Johnny wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and then poor Susie is left with feeling, you know, just blaming herself, feelings of hopelessness, you know, what am I going to do? They do not believe me. They think he's a saint and I'm this or that. And so just listening and supporting someone, a survivor is the first steps to helping someone get to safety or, or just getting the right tools or the right, um, you know, as far as getting a therapist involved to help that person uh, in the healing process, you know, and, and self-care, self-care, you know, and, and that's been a major um, thing for me as a survivor. You know, I do this work and I had someone um, ask me just yesterday, how do you um, kind of like diffuse from everything that goes on during the week? Like, how do you, you know, bring your mindset down and relax. And then one little lady said, well, did you watch the story on 2020? And it was about an abusive relationship and that ultimately ended the girl's life. And I said, well, my husband was watching that um, to be exact. But what I did is I went to the bedroom and lie, lay down and, and put my earbuds in and listened to some calming music and I got on my phone and did some, you know, just scroll through Facebook and and had my little videos that I wanted to watch, you know, and and relaxed. And, and I told her, I said, you know, that might be a video I watch while I'm at work when I have downtime like lunch break or something. Um, but, it, 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 you know, you have to kind of like take yourself out of that at times. Absolutely. And, yeah. And do some self-care, you know. Absolutely. But I, I love what you, I loved everything that you said. It just really reached out to me as a survivor, you know, being being listened to, being supported, um, all of those things, you know, and and believed, right? So those are some things that I didn't have in '96 when I was abused. Um, I didn't have anyone to listen to me. I was 18 when um, I went through what I did, and I was just a kid, you know. I was a child, and I had a child, so I was going through so many emotions. And, you know, from a small rural community, people didn't want to hear about domestic violence. I mean, I don't even think the words were even brought up, you know. So do you think that we are still in that era that that we still have like taboo around domestic violence, which I know we've gotten better. But do you do you feel that pullback still? 
Um, I think we're definitely making progress mm-hmm. toward having conversations. Um, mm-hmm. I think especially like media representation is mm-hmm. gaining a lot of traction in this. Um, I'm thinking about your story about the 2020 segment. I know there's a popular Netflix series called Made, and it was mm-hmm. actually based off a novel, but it is a, a television series about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, reached one of the most popular television series markers in the Netflix industry. Mm-hmm. And um, similar to your experience, I had a lot of people coming up to me saying oh you've got to watch it have you watched it have you watched it mm-hmm. and um i have not because i think similar to your experience there's a moment where you just kind of have to step back and mm-hmm. step away mm-hmm. and create those boundaries that protect yourself uh and so uh, another point that i try to emphasize with victory over domestic violence and the healing aspect of the ODV is creating boundaries um what are you comfortable witnessing as far as media as far as conversations that you're having and what are you not and creating boundaries is really important um, as far as self-care practices Um, but i do think there's always going to be a certain stigma attached to domestic violence that we're still constantly um, combating we're still constantly Mm -hmm. overcoming Um, but i think we are i think there's some positivity to this i think we are having more conversations about it which is a mission of victory over domestic violence is to have necessary conversations about domestic violence it's not a happy or, or a positive topic, but having conversations about it can be. Having conversations about it is how we create and encourage individuals to be proactive and, and to be advocates and invest in domestic violence advocacy. So I think we're starting to see shifts and changes. And that's something that, again, I see uh, as far as conversations with my students at the University of Florida, mm-hmm. conversations that I have with my friends and family, and even conversations that I see um, and have with the other Miss Alabama delegates. Mm. Um, these are these are women who, if they haven't personally experienced DV, they know someone who has. And so they're very open about discussing their experiences and and what they know about domestic violence. And that's, there's always something really powerful about having conversations within communities of women that are based in solidarity and support. And that's something that VODV really strives to encourage. And so I think, I think we're seeing changes and it's great. We're not quite there where Mm. we want to be. I don't Mm. think as advocates and as survivors, but I think we can have hope that we're getting there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same way, Um, you know, because, you know, it's been and and when you were talking about boundaries, it took me until I was like, I mean, seriously, like a year ago, I had to start setting boundaries. Like I had never really set boundaries in my life. And I don't know if that was because of the trauma that I had previously went through in the past that I felt like, I guess you would call a little bit of a people pleaser that I had to just, you know, open up every facet of my life to people. Um, So, you know, I found myself in that area of being a major people pleaser. Like I just did not want to upset anyone. And I mean, I strive to go above and beyond to not do that. But I had to be like, you know, Misty, I had some really good friend advocates who have their own organizations um, in different uh, states. And I had a very sweet um, lady and she is a mentor of mine. Uh, she's been doing advocacy work for many years, um, but she was just like, listen, you're going to have to start setting healthy boundaries because I don't think you're doing that. And that's where you're lacking in your life. You've got to set those healthy boundaries and you got to just be like, no, she said, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to not answer a message. 
<laughs> or it's okay to not do this or that because I remember when the podcast started getting, you know, a lot of airplay and, and people started messaging me and asking me, how do you create a podcast? You know, asking me about things like that. And I, I got really overwhelmed because I wanted to answer all these, you know, questions to all of these women. But I was like, mm, really, you know, honestly, I can't tell you to how to start your own podcast. So this is something that was embedded into my soul. And it's something that I felt in my heart I needed to do. For me, you know, for me as a survivor, I wanted to do it. And then it just, it, it just kept growing and growing. And then the guests started coming and it, and it became bigger than myself, if that makes sense. So um, I, I cannot um, give that type of advice. You know what I mean? Like not being ugly by no means, you know, but you know, they have tutorials on YouTube, how to start your own podcast, how you can um, create things. But I'm just not, I'm just not that type of teacher. <laughs> right. Well, and you have such incredible talents, and you are such an incredible mentor to myself and other uh, other people in the community. Um, that I think that's important to self recognize um, mm -hmm. what you what you can give, what you're right. able to give. Because right. um, I think so often, especially in advocacy work, we see burnout occur, and um, part of that is because there's this pressure to be on mm. all the time um, to be some type uh, to, like I said, to be on 24 seven. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to continue to have conversations, especially when it comes to advocacy about self care. And sometimes that means stepping away and unplugging um, for a second, for, for, for a few days or an hour, mm. um, whatever timetable you can allow for yourself. I think it's really important to emphasize self-care and boundaries like we've talked about before. Um, and it also is important to recognize that because you are an advocate doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad days. I think mm. this is something that I've really recognized in myself as well, that with the name like victory over domestic violence i i thought originally that i had to be victorious every single day that having a bad day meant some type of failure for me some type of failure for the people i was working with some type of failure for my family my friends my colleagues um and that's really not what it is i had to do some soul searching and um so some self-diagnosing of thinking about again what is self-care and what are boundaries and i've learned that victory is a big thing it's a small thing it's an everyday thing it, it's not just this one-time accomplishment um, that you that you make it's something that can be anything from just waking up each day and putting one foot in front of the other um, to something that is a little bit bigger to something that is uh, crushing a goal or accomplishing a task but victory is something that takes active work every day and that in itself is an accomplishment and so I think we as advocates and we as survivors have to give ourselves the grace um, to be able to have bad days and, and to forgive ourselves for having bad days and recognizing that it, it's just a bad moment uh, and that we can continue. But it's important, again, to recognize um, maybe where we don't always feel like ourselves. And, and that's okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I love the conversations about boundaries and self-care that we're having. Yes. Um, because I think that that's something 
that especially like we live in a society that's very much grind focused. You have yes. to be on the grind all the time, working all the time for a specific goal. And it's so important to be able to just step back and unplug. Like you said, listen to your music with your, listen to your calming music with your headphones or just doing something fun that doesn't really have anything related uh, to the advocacy work that you're doing. Just stepping away and uh, making sure that you're enriching all aspects of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely, you know, and and believe it or not, you know, I, I actually whenever I had won a forty over forty award in Mobile um, last September, I went to Mobile and, and me and my husband went to a restaurant and we were sitting down eating and the little waitress come up and she said, "Your voice sounds so familiar to me," and I said, "Well, I do a podcast." She said, "What's the podcast name?" And when I told her I must have a podcast, she flipped out. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a fan. I listen to your podcast. I'm a, she said, I myself am a survivor. Can I get a picture? Can I get a hug? You know, and um, I'm fangirling. Kind of like what you said. I'm a fangirl. Uh, but, yes, yeah. Uh, well, I fangirl to you, too, Chandler. <laughs> and I'm going to be rooting you on through the beauty ball. I say beauty ball, girl, because I'm old school. I didn't say that to you. <laughs> So pageant, sorry. Um, so yeah. So hey, let's bring it back a little bit and talk about you a little bit more. I'd, li I'd love for you because we've got just a few more minutes left to, to, to talk and record. Um, tell the people like what's going on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to give a little bit of more information about myself. So I'm a current doctoral student at the University of Florida. I'm pursuing my PhD in English, but I teach all about social media studies, um, women in literature, and digital rhetoric, and multimodal pedagogy. Um, but I'm also a delegate in the Miss Alabama competition. And this is really where victory over domestic violence has thrived. Mm -hmm. um, competing in the Miss Alabama organization has really given the a platform to reach audiences across the state and even the nation. So in the Miss America opportunity, each delegate not only competes for scholarship dollars and competes in traditional phases of competition, but they also were tasked with creating their own social community service initiative. And um, fortunately, I already had a victory over domestic violence when I began competing and I just really felt a calling um, to, to expand victory over domestic violence into the Miss Alabama competition. Um, so the Miss Alabama competition is, again, a scholarship organization. Um, the Miss America Opportunity is the number one scholarship provider for women in the nation. It's also the very first scholarship provider for women in its history of the United States. So it's very much important of encouraging community service and also empowering women through scholarship dollars. I've been very fortunate and have earned over $55,000 competing in the Miss Alabama competition. Um, this has allowed me to pursue my undergraduate, my master's, and now my doctoral degree. And it's just been an incredible opportunity of self-growth, um, of also meeting people from across the state, meeting other intelligent and talented women who are all seeking a common goal of bettering themselves and empowering others. And that's really what the Miss America and Miss Alabama opportunity are all about, creating a sisterhood of, of women who seek to better themselves and empower each other through scholarship assistance, through community service, through their talent uh, performance, things like that that just really create um, an, a well-rounded individual. 
Um, and I've just been, it's been such a joy to compete in Miss Alabama. It really is a passion of mine, being able to connect with other women and connect with individuals across the nation um, has just been so rewarding for me. I always encourage people to check out the Miss Alabama's, uh, the Miss Alabama competitions website and also their Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, women can compete in Miss Alabama who are ages um, 18 to 28 now. So it's incredible wide, uh, wide age range, um, encouraging women from all walks of life to compete um, for scholarship dollars. Like I said, it's been an incredible opportunity for me, and I'm, I'm always open to answering questions about the Miss Alabama competition. Um, people can find me on social media. They can also go to my personal website, victoryoverdomesticviolence.org, to not only learn more about BADV, but also the Miss Alabama and Miss America competitions. I love that so much, and I'm proud that you told everyone about um, the scholarship funds and what you're doing and getting your master's and, you know, how wonderful that all is. And, you know, and whenever I was talking about getting recognized, you know, it was kind of like an ode to what you were saying, you know, you got to turn off, you know, that time that where you're not doing that work. And I, and I almost felt like I was going to relax, but then work popped up, but it was great. It was great though. You know, cause I was so excited and overwhelmed that someone actually recognized or, or knew of me and wanted to speak to me and get a photograph. I mean, that was cool, you know? Uh, and it, and it really, my husband got teary eyed over it and I was like, what in the world, you know, because I guess I felt like here I am just this old, country girl from Alabama, you know, and, and I, I'm a very humble person. So taking things like that in for me is kind of, you know, it's kind of surreal, uh, you know, and, and just, it, it's a good thing. I, I feel very blessed. So. It is a great thing, and I feel, I totally relate to this because being in the Miss Alabama competition, there's a level of notoriety sure. that's given to to delegates. Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate to hold many titles in this organization, and I never thought that I would ever be on the stage. As someone um, who has experienced domestic violence, I just never thought that was possible for mm -hmm. me. Um, I kind of had this idealized version of what Miss Alabama competitors looked like, and I didn't really see myself there. And until I was there and it really took a community of supporters mm -hmm. encouraging me to pursue this dream mm -hmm. and continue to invest in this program because when you're investing in this program you're really investing in yourself and um, so I compete not only um, for the opportunity to be Miss Alabama but so that other survivors could see me and see themselves because this is an incredible opportunity for scholarship dollars it's a way to expand um, your education, a way to obtain education. Um, and I want everyone to have that opportunity. I think we, all women should be able to pursue that. We have like 30 seconds left. So I'm going to say thank you so much, Chandler. I love hearing your voice. I love hearing your story. Thank you for everything you do. Guys, go check out her social media webpage. Help her, support her, and cheer for her. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much, Chandler, for being on the podcast. Bye, Thank guys. you, Misty. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.